1: Good afternoon and welcome to NJSBA's uh, podcast program, Conversations on New Jersey Education, a show dedicated to creating a conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on the important education issues of the day, a conversation that brings state leaders and policymakers to you, and I hope that you all feel free to join in on the conversation. My name's Ray Penny. I'll be your host for this uh, show this uh, afternoon. Today, as we will not only be taking calls, but if you, we will have our chat room open, and this will give you two ways to participate in the program if you decide to. Jennifer will be taking, monitoring the switchboard, and if you have a question uh, for the switchboard, I would ask you to dial one three four seven nine eight nine eight nine zero four, and when you are ready to make a comment or ask a question, press one. And that will indicate on our switchboard that you are ready to ask a question, and uh, Jennifer will. Then take your question uh, and pass it on to me, and then we'll put you on. Um, uh, and I'll get your name and your topic so that when we call you on live, uh, we are ready. Uh, if you're listening on your computer, we do have a chat – as I said, we have a chat room feature that you can log on to. We'll be monitoring the chat room, and we will pass on some of the comments or questions on to our speaker. Uh, to log on to the chat room, you will need to ha- register with Blog Talk Radio. Uh In public education, a lot of times, particularly in this program, we bring to you educators, whether they're school board members, whether they're superintendents, whether they work for the Department of Education, and also state legislators and other policymakers. But sometimes we forget that in public education there's a public, too, and that's our community and our businesses, uh, and uh, they're very concerned about education, Maybe even more so. Uh, today with us, we have two people, and I'd like to introduce them. First, we have Donna Custard, who's president of the New Jersey Chamber of Commerce Foundation. Welcome, Donna.
0: It's a pleasure to be here, Ray.
1: And we also have Tyler Seville, Associate Director in Government Affairs for New Jersey Business Industry uh, and Industry Association. Welcome, Tyler. Thank you, Ray. Happy to be here. Good. It's great to have both of you. Um, first of all, from your two associations which are kind of the business end of uh, people may not associate the Chamber of Commerce and also NJBIA, and I use that acronym. It's New Jersey Business uh, and Industry Association. Um, They don't don't associate that with public education. Uh, Donna, you go first. First, give us an uh, overview of your association and why you're involved in education issues.
0: Well, sure, because uh, first and foremost, if you think of business as being a consumer, they are the ultimate consumers of the education system. And the reason for the New Jersey Chamber of Commerce Foundation to exist is because about 20 years ago, our Chamber of Commerce, the State Chamber of Commerce, surveyed their board members and their members and asked, what are the hot-button issues? What are the pain points that you're experiencing here in New Jersey and how can we help? And we thought it might be... um, healthcare system, infrastructure, taxes, those kinds of issues, and overwhelmingly they responded saying that it's the workforce. They couldn't find qualified work or workers in the state of New Jersey, and they asked us to do something about it. So we were formed in 1996. And what we do is we bring the voice of business to the education community so that we can help to drive current and future members of the workforce to be globally competitive, successful members of society. We work with K-12 to schools, community-based organizations, institutes of higher education, other nonprofits, government agencies, and other key strategic partners to provide engaging and thought-provoking programs that help young adults ages 14 to 24 to take education seriously and to get and keep jobs and to improve employer competitiveness.
1: Uh, Tyler, can you tell us a little bit about your
2: association and why you're involved in education? Sure. Thanks, Ray. And, you know, Donna, you know, the Chamber does an excellent job and, and as well as the Foundation advocating for, for certain policies, and, and BIA is actually right there with them. You know, from from our perspective, and I'll go at it from a different angle. You know, employees are a company's number one asset, and fortunately, here in New Jersey, one of the biggest competitive advantages we have for businesses is our education workforce system. Um, however, you know, employers are telling us time and time and again, either through our surveys or anecdotally, uh, that there's a significant skills gap between the skills employees have and the qualifications employers are looking for. Um, So at NJBIA, I, as well as my team, um, are committed to to bridging the skills gap um, that exists here in New Jersey, strengthening New Jersey's workforce pipeline, and making sure students are ready for the world of work when the time comes. Uh, We continue to work, work with workforce trainers, nonprofits, educators, Uh, as well as state government, to provide our members with some of the not only just best workforce training programs in the state, but then also uh, to help shape tomorrow's workforce, you know, the employees uh, that many of our employers will be hiring within the next 5, 10, even 15 years from now.
0: Uh, I I I would echo what Tyler was saying. Um, There is a tremendous disconnect between the culture of education and the culture of work. Because if you think about the purpose of education, it's not only to provide students with the hard skills and the knowledge that they need to be successful in whatever they do after, edu- after K-12, to whether they go to post-secondary, the military, or the workforce. It's also part of the purpose is to provide them a safe environment in which to fail, which sometimes um, I get a raised eyebrow when I say that. But if you think about it, If you're taking a math course in high school and you fail three consecutive math tests in a one-month period of time, you don't get kicked out of the math class. You don't get kicked out of school. You'll probably be given a lot of extra help to make you successful. And when these students move from high school, if they go directly into the workforce, the focus is no longer on the individual. The focus is on the bottom line and on the benefits to the employer. So there's this huge cultural shift that our kids don't really understand when they get into the workforce. So the work that the BIA is doing and that we're doing is all designed to help students really understand and prepare for these great-paying, high-skill jobs that are available here in New Jersey.
1: Uh, it's interesting to me. I guess both of you are looking for the the final product that comes out of our education system uh, to be ready for the workplace. What are some of the things, the skills, there's two parts. And I think, Donna, you mentioned the soft skills. And there's also the knowledge part, which might be the curriculum. We'll get to that one later. But let's talk about the skills that maybe your members, uh, Tyler, I'll start with you, think that we can improve – Either improving or they' they see lacking in the the workforce
2: well, you know i I think for employers, um, you know you, you mentioned some of the the basic skills at BIA we call them employability skills so so what are some of these these skills that make uh, a graduate, whether it's just fresh out of high school or, or fresh out of college, what are some of these skills? Um, and we we kind of almost take for granted what those skills. Should be Um, because when we when we do survey our members, you know I I could I can espouse some statistics for you. So when we survey our members, you know 73% of these entry level employees had either fair or poor written communication skills. 62% of the employees that we've we've uh, you know surveyed you know had either fair or poor verbal communication skills. And, and the list goes on as it relates to critical thinking, as well as you know, work ethic, um, you know, and as well as research strategies and thinking creatively. So, so those kind of basic skills that um, we kind of assume that are being taught in the classroom are really the skills that uh, employers are really looking for so that students can be successful in the world of work. Donna, do you want to add anything to those skills?
0: Yeah, and and I would echo what uh, Tyler is saying. He calls them employability skills. We refer to them as essential skills, but essentially we're talking about the soft skills that are necessary for any kind of job problem solving, critical thinking, communications is always at the top of employers' lists. If you think about the millennial generation, uh, the biggest complaint that I get from employers is that young people today don't know how to carry on a conversation. They're so used to texting everything that they they don't know how to have eye contact and know how to initiate a conversation and get the verbal clue when a conversation is coming to an end. There's also uh, a tremendous sense of entitlement, not just from high school graduates, but from college graduates as well, that when they get into the job interview process, they feel that they're entitled to the six-figure salary and a company car and uh, expense reports and, and all kinds of other perks that you really need to be in the world of business for many, many years and work very, very hard in order to get those entitlements. And they're, they are uh, not automatic. So um, I, I would agree with everything that Tyler said.
1: Now, are some of these skills just maturity skills that uh, you get over time, or is there something from your perspective that maybe we should be addressing a little bit more in the schools? Uh, And if if we are, how do you see we should do it? Uh, Who wants to go first on this one?
0: Ladies first.
1: Uh, Okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: well, that's, that's kind of the heart of what we do is when the Chamber Foundation goes into a school district or a community-based organization to provide our programs, what we talk about initially is uh, we kind of give them a verbal slap in the face, which sounds a little mean, but it's a reality check. We let them know, I'm not your mother, I don't love you. I'm not your teacher. I'm not stuck with you. I represent the Chamber of Commerce and all of the businesses who are members and the myriad employees that they represent. And I'm here to tell you what they're looking for in their employees. So you need to have these kinds of skills. And the projects that we implement force the students to work in teams, to develop leadership skills, to learn to get along with people that they may not like, which is very common in the workplace, to dress appropriately, to have good hygiene, to communicate, to problem solve, think things through from start to finish, um, to think critically, and to really develop a sense of completion when they do a project together, so that they can that we we have them work in competition against other teams of young adults, so that they really get a feel for uh, the, the fact that not everybody gets a trophy in the world of work, and that's just a reality that they're eventually going to face. I don't know that our school districts have the capacity to take on something in addition to everything else that they're already doing. We're already kind of bogged down with all of the um, Common Core standards that need to be met and the academic focus and keeping our kids safe and then the extracurricular activities. Sometimes adding another layer um, may not work, time-wise and budget-wise in our school districts, which is why the, the programs that we implement, we have the expertise to come in, and we have the backing of the business community to make sure that everybody understands that this is a message coming from the business community. It's not a message coming from their teachers who are there to nurture and protect. It is coming from the business community as their future employers letting them know, here's what we expect of you when you get into the world of work. Donna, just do you work in partnership
1: with the school district uh,
0: uh, uh, in this? Yes. Yes, what we do is um, right now we're part of uh, a couple of different consortiums where we work with some community-based organizations. We get grant funding from corporations who want to work with a particular school district, so we'll reach out to the school district, make that connection. And then uh, the third way is when school districts reach out directly to us to contract for our services.
1: Tyler, does NJBIA do anything similar, or do you work with other groups in this area?
2: Um yeah, sure. But let me let me back up and, and kinda answer the, the original question. Um you know, I, I think for us we, we have conversations with teachers, uh other educators, the Department of Education. And, you know, just like how we're we're having standards for um English and math, um as well as, you know, in STEM, next generation science standards, things like that, you know, New Jersey does have uh, career readiness standards. Um and you know, some of the focus is is kind of on um uh, making sure that these standards are brought to the centerfold. Um making sure, you know, as Donna and I both mentioned, you know, it, it's it's one thing to, to write a report or or get an A plus on a math test, but you know, those skills, those Habits that require you to, you know, uh, excel in the classroom are habits that, one, can be stackable, but also learned throughout a, a K through 12 experience. You know, showing up on time, you know, mm-hmm. something as simple as that, That's which huge. is huge. Yeah, it's an employability skill that, you know, kind of is, is overlooked in, in maybe K through 12 for some people. But, you know, in the employer realm, it's extremely important. Um, so just, you know, making sure that you know, a student shows up to class on time, uh, hands in, um, you know, a, a test or a report on time. That's that that's the first basic step um, to making sure that you have good habits, these good employability skills. You know, an, another way in terms of critical thinking is showing your work. You know, you do a math problem, how... How did you get that answer? Well, did you plug it into a calculator? And if so, okay, but did you do you know a, a series of steps that could get you to the answer? And I think something like that can develop one's critical thinking. So again, you know, I, I think it's thinking about education in a holistic approach as opposed to just a, this is the right answer and we can move on, or this is the A um, and all the things that you need to get an A in the class. Um, and so it, those are the ways that can it really develop an individual's employability skills or, or career readiness skills. But So, so, so going what you're back basically
1: to,
2: both are kind of saying is that
1: in the, not just the curriculum, but in the process of, say, getting an A, that some of those things like timeliness are also incorporated as skills that translate into the workplace.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You're practicing while you're in school. If you don't show up, what we tell our kids is when you're in school, if you don't show up on time every day for school or you just go whenever you feel like it, there's no magic switch that you flip when you leave school where suddenly you're on time for everything. Those are habits that become entrenched in the way that you live your life. And if you have good role models at home, that's very helpful um, but if you're not putting that into practice in the classroom or in, while you're in K-12 to education, then you're not going to be prepared and you're not going to be showing up and turning in your assignments on time.
1: Uh, one yeah. of the things I see in school districts is, and Donna, you alluded to this, is that we're really focused on high standards, uh, student achievement, usually mm-hmm. in the math, science, and English where we're being tested. There's so much on everyone's plate how does the school district try to incorporate this? Because a lot of times in this, I would assume it might be good to bring members of the business community actually in the buildings uh, mm-hmm. and talk to the students uh, because it's a different voice. and it's a. So how does the school district kind of fit that in? Because it seems like, as you alluded to, it's very difficult to do everything that we're being asked to do.
0: It is, and it's a very tricky balancing act, and every district is going to be a little bit different. Um if if they're if school districts are looking for local community partners, I think that's a great thing to pull in local business people. I think a really good time to do that. And you know, I'm, I'm probably going to get some backlash for this, but is on those educational days where not a lot of new learning takes place. For example, the day before Christmas break. There's not a lot of new learning that's going to take place. So it's a day where the kids are already a little antsy and not really focused on what's going on academically. That might be a great opportunity to bring in a panel of business volunteers to talk about various careers and to to, to kind of um, mix it up a little bit, not just talk about, hi, I'm a veterinarian, here's what I do for a living, but talk about what you do Uh, and what soft skills are necessary to be successful because not everybody's going to be interested in that particular career, but there's some commonalities between every organization um for example one of the recommendations that we give kids that we work with is from the neck up if you're a guy no no metal on your face no no metal around your neck no metal in your ears no metal in your face ladies no metal at all in your face unless it's for religious purposes and one to two very conservative earrings in each lobe and that doesn't hold true for every Type of job. There are some jobs where you can be a little edgier and maybe have a nose ring or an eyebrow, eyebrow ring or tattoos that are visible, things like that. But I always tell kids just err on the side of caution during the interview process and then figure out later on in life what is acceptable within that organization. And I think that kind of messaging coming from the business community directly to the kids, because these could be community members that they see when they go out to their local pizza parlor, to the local store where they buy their clothes or their sneakers. And I think that's very helpful to get the community involved and to relay that message to the kids.
1: Just out of curiosity, what are the kids' reaction? Because that may not be – people may not talk to them a lot about this. Uh, And if their parents talk to them about it, you know how kids can be with their parents. It's in Uh one ear and out the other. But uh, what's their reaction to it? Is this like the first time they've ever heard that?
0: Um, The reaction that I get from students, especially, and for some reason, it comes to um, when it comes to young ladies. In urban environments, when we talk about hair color, because, you know, it's very popular right now for girls to make their hair blue or purple or green and all these different stripes of color in their hair. And when I talk to them about what they have control of, you don't wear pajamas to an interview, you don't go to an interview with purple hair, you know, take out the piercings, dress appropriately. It's the hair color that I get the most kickback on. And and the, the young ladies will say to me, you can't do that because it's discriminatory. And my reaction to that is if you talk in generalities, it is not discrimination if you have control over it. You don't have control over your age, your ethnicity, your gender, your um, you know, your your height and things like that. You do, however, have control over the color of your hair what you wear on your, you know, as far as jewelry, what you wear as clothing, whether or not you've bathed in the past several days, where you get a tattoo. So it is absolutely at the discretion of the employer, especially if you're going to have face-to-face contact with the public, to say, I'm sorry, I don't want somebody with purple hair waiting on my customers. And it's kind of a shock to them that an employer is actually allowed to do that, um, So I I like to make sure that they understand you have complete control over this, and you need to understand that you need to exercise that control. And if you want a tattoo, fine, get it somewhere where you can cover it. I'm not saying never get a tattoo. If you want purple hair, then maybe get the clip-on streaks of hair so that you could take them out and put them back in on the weekends or in the evening.
2: Ray, if if I may, I just want to jump in here real quick. You know, I want to give a quick shout-out to... Uh, Junior Achievement, Uh, they are a a great partner of ours. And, you know, when it comes to career readiness and employability skills, they're an organization, they're a partner that um, we, you know, similar to what Donna has mentioned, you know, helped educate um, with employers in the classroom. And, you know, JA, Junior Achievement, uh, offers both in-school and out-of-school programs focused in, in seven content areas. And those include business, citizenship, economics, as well as other things like uh, financial literacy and and career development. Uh, And and so junior achievement for us is is something that would be very similar to what the the foundation is talking about. And and every year uh, at our association, we actually host uh, students within the, the Trenton area, primarily from the Trenton School District. And for us, you know, we the, the students that we have a lot of it is actually really surprising you know in a in a positive way you know i think for for, for some students um you know they have either teachers or role models or parents really ha- talking to them about career readiness and you know what it really means to be successful in the workplace and then there are other students that might not receive that support, and a lot of times, um, you know, those school districts that that you know we partner with in the the, the Central Jersey Trend area, you know, this is this is actually really inspiring, not just for us but for them as well. You know, we're when we when we talk to these students, we we have seven different seven different classes that are developed by Junior Achievement. Um, And each one is is broken down into the the subject areas that I've mentioned. And, you know, some of it, it's really eye-opening, and it's really inspiring because it then helps these students kind of realize for themselves, you know, hey, this is really what I have to do. You know, oh, I want to be an astronaut when I grow up. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, through the Junior Achievement Program, they kind of, allow these students to explore, okay, so what do they have to do? Um, you know, what what are some of the grades that they need to get? What are the the classes that they need to study? Um, so obviously something that's, that's heavy in the, in the STEM field. Um, you know, there are other careers out there that, you know, students aren't really um, exposed to. And so Junior Achievement gives these students that opportunity to really just Explore these different opportunities, you know. And and the reason why I also say this is because schools, whether you're a school board member, teacher, administrator, you guys, these schools also have the opportunity to either um, partner up with with Donna, the foundation, Junior Achievement, or kind of uh, go it go at it alone um, and, and make sure that these career readiness uh, programs are being offered. Um, so my my point is that there are programs out there, whether it's you know, the foundation or junior achievement that can really help uh students and, and educators support the needs of not just the workforce but the, the local community because you want to create um graduates that you know ultimately are implorable and, and will succeed in not just the workforce but uh life as well. Uh, Tyler, you said it and I'm sure Donna might concur.
1: Uh while you're sending uh, members of the business community and, and others. I've heard of districts having war veterans come in and, and all that. Uh is it true that sometimes the people while we're trying to impart wisdom, maybe real life wisdom to students, there's also a give back to the, the people who participate in this, whether in the business community when they try to help students. Is there a is that true? Yeah. Oh absolutely. I, oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. We we work with I've, hundreds of volunteers every year. Um, we bring them out for judges for student projects so that the students can actually present to a group of business people and show them what they've been working on during the course of the project. Um, and its it, we always tell the business judges, it's not so much about the content of what these kids are presenting to you. It's more about the actual, they got up in front of the room. They had to work collaboratively. They had to develop leadership. Now they have to come up in front of a group of their peers and a group of strangers, adult strangers, and start to present and be articulate and be complete and answer questions and think on their feet. So our our business judges always have a very positive experience when they work with the kids. And I think even having, um, you know, a local business person come out and talk to the students about their their road to, to whatever success means to them. So, for example, if you have, I, I use the pizza parlor example, if you've got a, a local owner of a pizza parlor come out, that person may not have gone to college. Maybe they did. Maybe they were very successful on Wall Street, and at some point they said, you know what, I've had enough. This is my dream. This is what I want to do. So not everybody gets to their career in the same direct path. Sometimes it's very circuitous. And that's a great message to send to the kids as well. Not everybody knows that they want to go to college. Maybe they take a gap year. Maybe they go on to something else. But those kinds of stories help students connect with members of the community and help them understand, okay, well, maybe if I don't do it the way, That I think I should do it the way all my friends are doing it. It's okay, and I can get where I want to go, but just in a different way. Yeah,
2: I I, big if if I may. Um,
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, Donna is exactly right. You know, I think employers can give back in a variety of ways. You know, some of the very simple ways. You know, a lot of schools often have uh, foundations of their own, and employers. Can certainly give back financially but you know for for us and i'm sure the chamber as well you know we want to make sure that employers are giving back more um and and they can do that as donna mentioned speaking to a class about their own experience um employers can also offer mentoring opportunities for different um individuals who you know might be interested in exploring the same uh, career path as the employer themselves um you know, you know, employers can also help develop curriculum. Um, you know, in our career and technical high schools, our county VOTEX, um, that's one of the the key linchpins for having employers get involved in uh, the education process over there. Um, a lot of employers have the opportunity to um, help develop curriculum, not because um, it's an opportunity to to give back, but it's a way for teachers. And and those instructors within those schools to kind of stay current on what are some of the demands that um, employers need. Um, so there are, there are a variety of ways that that employers can can get involved. But you know, Ray, to your, to your point, you know, it's it's certainly beneficial to them. Not only do they they get a, a simply a, a good feeling from from giving back to their community, but you know, it, it allows them to kind of hone in on what's important. Um because as as Donna mentioned, you know, not everybody has a straightforward path. You know, you, you graduate high school, go to college, then get a job, and you're in the industry for 40 years. That's not that's not always true. You know, so employers are able to have this opportunity to kind of step back and say, hey, this is this is how I did it. Um, and then actually for, for younger professionals who are also Interested in giving back? This is this is a way for them to kind of hone in on their own leadership and effective communication skills. You know, it not every uh, business professional or, or any type of working professional um, has the opportunity to to give a presentation or stand up in front of a classroom, and so partnering with a school district and and partnering with a class allows these professionals to also uh are you know practice their their public speaking skills and and having them hone in their own leadership and and management skills, which uh, is is a great opportunity personally for them as well as an opportunity for for the students and teachers as well I would imagine it would be a good thing for
1: the school district too because you know realistically usually you don't have members of the community inside your buildings at all uh mm-hmm. or very so, this is the one opportunity members of the public can actually see what goes on in the school district. Uh, and honestly, how hard it is to be a teacher, I think, to a certain degree. Uh,
2: I would agree. You,
1: that, okay. Uh, I, I just want to shift gears a little bit because uh, we're talking mostly about the workplace readiness skills, which are very important. But uh, a lot of people don't know that, um, particularly in the education field, that. Both of your associations are very concerned with standards and testing. Uh, you weigh in oftentimes on any education leg- legislation. Uh, let's talk about how do you see like the common core or just state standards uh, in general as from your association's point of view.
0: Who do you want to start
1: with? I'm going to start with you since you spoke up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, i got to learn to
0: keep my mouth shut. <laughs> Well, I mean, with regard to the Common Core standards, I I think from our perspective um, with the business community, we're always looking to raise the bar because we we are a global powerhouse. We really are, but we can't rest on our laurels. There is competition popping up all over the world. So if we don't raise our standards and help our children rise to those standards, then we're not going to stay a global powerhouse forever. So, um I think the standards are very important. And of course there's no use in having standards unless you can assess your progress towards those standards in some way, shape or form. And I know there's been a lot of talk back and forth on both the, the common core and the park assessment and I, I think we're kind of in a growth period right now and a learning curve that it's it's not perfect, we know it's not perfect. It will improve, just like with any change, there's going to be some bumps in the road, and we have to kind of work through them. But I think with with the park assessment, it's going to give parents a much more robust picture of what their children know and are able to do and by the same token it will give the educators a much clearer idea of where their class is as a whole and individually so that they can differentiate instruction in the classroom and help those students who are falling behind in a particular area so they're utilizing their time in the classroom much more efficiently so that no I hate to say it but so that no child is left behind I didn't mean to coin that phrase but um that's essentially what I mean yeah have you heard of that before <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what it means it, from my perspective uh, i i'm sure uh tyler probably has a very similar perspective
2: yes abso- absolutely I, I would agree with with everything you said you know standards in education aren't anything new you know mm-hmm. um th- there were things before common core um believe it or not um <laughs> and yeah which you know unfortunately some people don't uh don't think that but you know and and to say the common core um again the the common core didn't come out of nowhere um mm-hmm. and at the same time it wasn't brought down on high from the federal government mm-hmm. um each each of the states um developed uh and approved a a process that they created the common core and both the chamber as well as BIA are, are currently reviewing um the common core as we speak you know so uh Dana from the chamber as well as I both serve on the standards review committee and again these these standards um aren't developed by a, a bunch of um I hate to say the word technocrats um or or the department of education you know they were developed by teachers. We're, we're, we are currently working with teachers, um, both in the committees as well as the subcommittees, to make sure that these standards, um, you know, have value, have meaning, um, not just to uh, you know Im- improve the education process that exists, but then also to make sure, as, as Donna mentioned, that we're competitive, not regionally, not. Nationally, but globally, you know New Jersey has always touted uh a great education system. We're either number one, number two, or number three um, but you know why why settle? why you know say we're we're the best within fifty states when there's a whole world out there that we're mm-hmm. we're really competing with mm-hmm. you know and and employers. Do the same thing. We're competing not just regionally, not just glo- not just you know nationally, but employers are, are uh, competing in an ever connecting, ever growing global economy, um, and and students need to do the same thing. Um, so you know, and obviously there's always going to be a way to measure those standards. You know, again, you know, testing is nothing new. You know, uh, now is there an issue with too much testing? Well, that's being explored. Um, And so, you know, PARC has that opportunity where we can assess the standards, and if the standards aren't working, you know, we're reevaluating them. Or we just need to, you know, just do a couple tweaks here and there, which is ultimately what uh, I've perceived serving on the Standards Review Committee. Um, So again, you know, employers want standards to make sure that the the product they they receive the the students the graduates uh, you know are are ready for the world of work.
1: Uh, I'm going to go back to because you mentioned earlier when we first started that in your survey and I'm sure uh, Donna's membership would be pretty similar. One of the things that you looked at uh, was uh, in the survey was that employers thought that 73% of them of their new employees didn't really have uh, good. Writing skills or communication skills, and 62% in oral communication. So, is that? I assume that's another reason that you would want to have good language art skills because that's a workplace skill, not just a, a curriculum.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I I was talking earlier about. Um, applied learning and you know having a, a holistic approach when it comes to education. You know, it's again, it's not about getting the the A on the math test or or handing in a report that's A worthy, but making sure that that student, um, you know, is is able to to think about and effectively communicate, you know, their critical thinking skills, and then also making sure that they have those critical thinking skills. Um, you know. Presentations, are these students presenting in the classroom? That might not necessarily always be true. Um, And and so something like that can help a student uh, uh, build um, their effective communication. But then, I'm sorry, going back to to the written communication portion, yeah, that's also extremely important. Um, and, And one way to become a better writer is by writing. Um, and mm-hmm. making and and applying those skills to make sure that you know you're able to do you know uh, a, you know a, a good paragraph, a good story, or a good essay. You know, it's practice. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just gonna for our listeners. I know Don is not
1: your your focus in your job, but I know both organizations are usually monitoring education legislation as much as in, almost any education group. Uh, I know Tyler that's part of your uh focus at, at NJBIA is i just could you just correct me <laughs> uh, not correct me uh, just say that's true yeah. yes that's yeah. true yes
2: um uh, so last year uh would you like me to kind of expound on that just very briefly very briefly yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. i don't think most sure. people know that sure so um one of one of the things that that we've been doing um, is is continuing this conversation, this career readiness, this employability skills conversation. And and last year, uh, we advocated heavily for a uh, career readiness to be um, measured on the school report cards. Um, and so that was a, a legislation that um, with the Senate President and the Assembly Speaker. Uh, moved very quickly through the legislature uh, so we're we 're very grateful of of their advocacy um, and then of course the the governor uh, who who signed this legislation into law you know we 're very grateful in the sense that you know we 're now having this conversation where career readiness is on the school report card, which i e means it 's important um, and so schools will eventually be uh, measured on how well they uh, create a, a career readiness atmosphere for their students. You know, t- right now the, the Department of Education is actually working on on the regulations on how something like that will be implemented. Um, but so that's that's just one way that the BIA has been active in in the uh, legislative aspects of of uh, education lobbying and and workforce development.
1: And I should, uh, for full disclosure, both uh, Tyler and Donna are school board members. Uh, They're not speaking as school board members uh, right now, uh, but uh, they're both school board members. So their interest in this, uh, I think, goes pretty deep. Uh, We're coming towards the end, so I'm going to give you each uh, a little time to say some last remarks. Donna, I'll start with you. Any things that are my members, the school board members, or your colleagues should know about – the business, community, and education?
0: Yeah, I guess um, for, for a closing remark, what I'd like to leave everyone with is um, if you think from a business perspective, businesses are in business to make money. So when our kids, when our K-12 to education system is done with our kids, when our higher education system is done with our kids, the bottom line is the bottom line. If you can't go to a company, to an organization, and contribute to the bottom line and be a productive member of a team within that company so that the company can grow and flourish and make money, then you're not going to last very long. And that's really the the crux of the messaging that we give to kids so that they understand when we work with them, we're there to help them. We're, we're there to help them understand the ins and the outs of the business community and what will be expected of them so that it's not such a jolt to their constitution when they get into the workforce. Tyler? Sure.
2: You know, so employability skills, career readiness skills, whatever you call it, it's it's really important. And, and the bottom line is they're life skills. Students... Um, graduates, they need these skills, as, as Donna mentioned, to be successful in the world of work, you know, showing up on time, effectively communicating, critical thinking. But these skills are also skills that are going to help students succeed in college if they choose that path, uh, succeed in a, an apprenticeship program if they pursue that path, and just become an, an all-around effective uh, a citizen in New Jersey. Um, so I say that, you know, these skills are, are life skills. And, you know, for the board members on the line, you know, I, I think one of the easiest ways that you can kind of start this conversation with, you, with your own district is to, you know, sit down with, with your fellow board members or your superintendent or just your curriculum committee and, and start asking questions. You know, what ask your superintendent or, or curriculum director, how are we um you know teaching career readiness how are we incorporating the different standards um and career readiness practices that you know can make our students um effective learners and effective uh employees um so you know it just just a, a simple thing would be these skills and these standards are important throughout one's life and that you know as a board member just it, it it's a simple starting the conversation with your own uh, district and start asking questions about how are your students um, learning and how is career readiness uh, a part of this learning.
1: Okay. That brings us to the end of this program. We have run out of time. i like to thank you uh, both. Uh, I think for our members to learn that the business community is concerned about education and involved in education policy. Absolutely. And so, Donna, thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you, Ray, and thank you, Tyler.
1: And Tyler, thank you. Thank you, Ray, and thank you, Don. It was a pleasure. And I will also be contacting the two of you because someone uh, on our flash on our chat room wanted information contact information for the two of you. Okay, well, thank I'm you. Ha- happy brings, to share mine. Great, <laughs> and that brings <laughs> us to the end of this program. Thank you. But,
0: thanks so thank much. You.
2: Oh, bye bye.